I was at the show last night. I was at SmackDown last night. Usually I finish the show in my office. I immediately hop on the podcast and start rolling. But this week that was a little tough because I had a two-hour drive afterwards and it was just too difficult to get it done right away. So now I'm here. I'm, I'm, I've got the podcast out for you guys. Here you go. These are my thoughts on SmackDown. I also had to watch SmackDown again. I think that if you've been to a WWE show, you know it's different live than it is watching on TV. So I had to also rewatch the show so I could see what all of you saw on television. But I'll also give you some of my thoughts on the live perspective as well. So let's just get right into this. SmackDown started off with Logan Paul coming to the ring. Logan talked about how he said he could beat Roman Reigns on his podcast. And my favorite part about this was the crowd shouting what? And you're going to say, Ryan, you're not one of those what chant guys. Why would you be happy that they were what chanting Logan Paul? You don't even dislike Logan Paul, but I'll say this much. I watched the Logan Paul Roman Reigns podcast interview. Uh, Very entertaining conversation. Uh, I thought Logan Paul did a... Good job with with Roman in front of him, but there was one part, if those of you who didn't listen to it or watch it, there's one part where they're asking Roman for like the intricate, they want to know like the fine details of of promo work and and owning the crowd and, and kind of sitting in certain moments and Roman's talking about sitting in the silence of certain things and how he deals with the crowd at times when they're, and, and get them, getting them to do what he wants them to do. And then he mentions uh, the what chance and Logan says, uh, what are the, what, what's a what chant? And he's like, you, you know, like a what chant? And he's like, I, I don't, I don't know. And right when I saw that, I said to myself, Oh man, on Friday for SmackDown, these people are going to what chant the hell out of this guy. He's going to know what a what chant is because I know WWE fans and any WWE fans who saw that were ready to what chant him. I don't even think I what chant people at shows ever, but even here at this show, I was what chanting Logan Paul just to let him know what a what chant is. If he hasn't, he didn't know at this point, we got to let him know somehow. And that's how we did it. Uh, So then... Logan goes on to talk about how he did the same thing with Floyd Mayweather. He said he could beat him, but even Floyd couldn't put him down. So he set up a press conference in Las Vegas to challenge to challenge Roman Reigns. And if Roman is man enough, he'll meet him there face to face. This prompts an entrance from Paul Heyman and the bloodline. Sands Roman Reigns and Heyman gets in the ring with Logan shakes his hand as a peace offering of sorts and says if there was ever anyone outside of WWE who could be a Paul Heyman guy, it's Logan Paul. And then he talks about Logan's past, and he talks about Jake Paul's upcoming fight against Anderson Silva, and I really like the way he, I mean, Heyman's a master of the mic, so I like the way he builds up the Paul brothers while also tearing them down. Uh, he's talking about, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you did beat Floyd May- Mayweather, but, I mean, you know, comes up to my my ankles, but, I mean, yeah, yeah, you did, and you're 6'2", but, yeah, 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 you, you did beat him, or, you know, and how Anderson, Silver's, Anderson Silva is going to beat the crap out of Jake Paul. Lots of good stuff there. Logan then asks why Paul Heyman and the Bloodline are so scared. There's... A bunch of them circling the ring. Paul's in his face. Uh, 
saying that, you know, or Paul Heyman's in his face saying, you know, he, he shouldn't challenge Roman Reigns. He should uh, know his role. He's saying, is Paul scared that the challenge is going to be for the title at the press conference? Uh, and Logan keeps talking a big game, but Heyman doesn't like it. So he says, now I have to handle you and calls Solo Sokoa to the ring. But Sami Zayn interferes, interferes. He intervenes from the situation. And man, Sami Zayn is becoming a face through all of this. Uh, the people are loving Sami Zayn, uh, even as a heel right now. When he jumped in that ring, they went nuts. So such a huge pop for Sami. And then they're all chanting Sami Zayn. Uh, Sami tells Paul, uh, you know, the honorary use has nothing but respect for the wise man, but maybe you're just not the right guy for this job. Maybe Roman Reigns should have let me handle Logan Paul. Heyman tosses the microphone and discuss and exits the ring. Before we get to Sammy here, well, Sammy gets knocked out. He, gets, he tells Logan uh, he's going to tell him know how things work around here. He gets close. He gets hit with a quick punch to the neck, and Ricochet comes out. This was a fun opening. Uh, let's just, I mean, I know I've seen it. The, I've seen all the talk on social media, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Is Logan Paul, what do I think about Logan Paul challenging Roman Reigns for the undisputed universal title at Crown Jewel. It's not official yet. I'm sitting here as I record this waiting for this press conference to start, but I think we can all assume I think we can all assume that's what's happening here based on how things have gone and you know, I think that <laughs> I like this more than I'd like another Goldberg match in Saudi Arabia. That's for sure. And I think that Logan Paul did show promise in the times we've seen him in the ring and he made, you know, on the podcast and subsequently in this segment, he makes a good point with the Floyd Mayweather stuff. Like, like, yeah, you know, like he did challenge someone way above his level in boxing early on. So it does kind of fit his MO. It's just, it's the thing I've said all along. It's, it's, it's it my, I think I have no issue with Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns for the title. I think that ultimately... It's at Crown Jewel. It's it's the, the 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 people who are paying them ridiculous amount of money for Crown Jewel want headline worthy events, and Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns is obviously that. Logan Paul has been a big draw uh, for his own stuff. He his brothers a big draw. The Paul brothers are a draw, whether you like it or not. So I don't really have a problem with it, especially since he has done stuff you know in combat sports before, um, whether it was a you know, exhibition or not, you know, so I don't have an issue with it. My whole thing, and this has been my thing for a minute now with Logan Paul is I think he's doing a good job, but I just think they, I don't know if it's a him thing or a WWE thing. Um, he did say that he, he, on his podcast that the booing gets to him a little bit, the people booing him while he's trying to talk does kind of get to him. So maybe that's why they're doing it. But I think that ultimately the issue is that Logan Paul is being positioned as a face. The whole appeal of the Paul brothers on pay-per-view is you want to see the Paul brothers get their ass kicked. And so far, he's kind of being positioned as a baby face, like the cool guy against the bloodline with his little with his little, you know, toothpick acting all cool, you know, punching Sami Zayn out. Um 
And I think people want to boo the Paul brothers. That's like the, their whole appeal is you want to boo them. Like even me, I was saying last night, even me, a guy who doesn't like what chanting people was looking, was what chanting Logan Paul loudly with everybody else. And so I think that, you know, I think that they need to lean into the Logan Paul heel thing. And maybe it happens after Roman Reigns puts him in his place. Maybe that's when it happens. But I just wonder, like, how this match is going to play out when technically it, it, it appears to be two heels. That's how I look at it. Let's move on. Sami Zayn versus Ricochet. Uh, first off, since I watched it back, really cool to hear Michael Cole mention PWG on commentary. At one point, too, uh, I loved I was sitting there in the front row, like, and um, at one point... Heyman accidentally uh, spilled Cole's drink, and then Cole complained about it. So Heyman dumped the rest of it out on the desk, and you could smell that energy drink for the next 30 minutes. It was like such an intense smell. Um, I laughed, though. It was so funny. I mean, it, like I was worried that it was going to – I thought I was in the splash zone for a second with that. But thankfully, I didn't get splashed, and it wasn't all sticky all night. Ricochet eventually picked up the win with the Shooting Star Press. And as a Ricochet fan, it's nice to just finally be getting him in so many good matches again as of late. I was with my producer and his six-year-old son, and the kid didn't take a lot of sides in the matches we were watching. I'd ask sometimes, and he'd say, well, I don't know. I don't really know all these people. But when I asked this match, who do you want to win? It was Ricochet. He didn't know his name. The guy without a shirt versus the guy with a shirt. Uh... And I just think it's because Ricochet has that look that appeals to children. He's flashy. He's doing cool stuff. Uh, he's easy to uh, to get behind when you're watching him, no matter what age you are. It's also very adorable. The six-year-old halfway through the show told his dad that he wants to be a wrestler now. Very cute. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where when you go to a show and you're with a child like that and you see how much they're enjoying it, it reminds you of why you started watching in the first place. I really, really enjoy when I get to do that with someone's child who, who I'm with or whatever, it's the best. After the match, there was another showdown with Logan Paul and Ricochet uh, with the bloodline, but Madcap Moss ran out with a chair to even things up so the Ooses all retreated. Now, let's talk about something that happened here during the commercial break. You didn't see this, but I did, and I've been thinking about it ever since. So during the commercial break, there was... At one point, like during the commercial break, just the lights shut up. Well, okay, let me oh, hold on, let me back up a little bit. So they, I saw the graphic saying after the break, Karrion Cross talks about his attack. So then, during the break, while waiting for Karrion Cross, the lights all shut out at one point, and the song "White Rabbit" by Jefferson Airplane played. And what was interesting is immediately everyone in the crowd pulled out their cell phones and lit it up as if Bray Wyatt was coming out with no indication of anything, no relation between the two. But everyone busted out their cell phones. White Rabbit plays in the darkness. And then right at the end of the song, the lights turned red on the stage. And then they went out. The song ended. And I just don't know what that was for. I just don't know what it was for. I I I've been to so many WWE shows over the years. I've been to so many. And I've never seen them just like playing a, a random classic rock song 
in in the middle of a commercial break for no reason. Like it seemed very intentional. It seemed like something they wanted to get posted on the internet. I saw a lot of speculation that this could be Bray Wyatt, a possibility of Bray Wyatt coming back. Because initially where my mind went at initially was like, okay, well, this is Karrion Cross. He was the White Rabbit in Lucha Underground. Maybe they're doing something cool. But then it cut to Karrion Cross. He did his normal promo backstage. It had nothing to do with it. I went and watched it on TV. There was no mention of it on TV. They didn't show it on TV. What was that? What was the White Rabbit? I mean, you can think about it and say, well, I mean, the whole song is about Alice in Wonderland, right? A trip that's like Alice in Wonderland, like trip. An Alice in Wonderland like trip, right? A trip down the rabbit hole. Kind of makes you think it could be something Bray Wyatt related, but but, but what would it be? <laughs> it was during the commercial break. They didn't even show it to anyone. My only theory to my fiance, who has gotten to hear me, think about this out loud for the last few hours now or yesterday and today um i mean i could see a a a world where like you build anticipation by doing this during the commercial break every show and there starts to be this underground interest in like what's going on and then they eventually they eventually pay it off on tv and they really you know, dig into the attitude, you know, excuse me, to the reality era by doing things that play up on social media. So I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Uh, I think if we hear it during the break on Raw and then SmackDown again and it keeps going, I think there might be more to this. If not, I have absolutely no idea what the point of it was and I'm sorry for wasting all of your time. Next, we had a carrying cross promo package and he talks about how he executed drew mcintyre last week says drew eventually let go like everyone else but carrion doesn't let go of anything pretty relatable sentence there because i feel that uh he continues to talk about how he wants to fix the timelines and rewrite history after that we got max and maxine dupree in the ring max says welcome to anaheim california only a stone's throw away from la it's happening. We've seen it. You all probably saw the the video from uh, last week after SmackDown where he teased the possibility of uh, – where, where it felt like he was teasing the possibility of returning to LA Knight. Said something about uh, you got to go through the day to get to the night. And he kind of like zones out for a second, then comes back into it. And that's kind of what he did here. He says only a stone's throw away from LA. He zones out for a second. Maxine snaps him back into it. Um, and then he introduces Maximum Male Models back to school collection as Masse and Mansois make their entrances. I laughed. Michael Cole says, didn't school start like a month ago? <laughs> um, L.A. Knight needs to, or excuse me, Max Dupree needs to return to being L.A. Knight. Uh, I think that Maxine can handle the duties of, of Maximum Male Models as their mouthpiece. And I think that... Uh, LA Knight would be much more valuable to the roster. So I like what they're doing here. Uh, as as uh, Maximum Male Models pose on the ramp, Bronze music hits, and he runs through them both. Then he beats them both down and power bombs Mansois. Chad Gable comes out next. Braun gives him his attention to the entrance ramp, which allows Otis to attack him from behind. Alpha Academy team up on Braun, and Otis hits an impressive power slam on him. 
looked really good. Looked really good. But as they exit the ring, Strowman immediately gets back up. I believe uh, I believe we're getting Otis versus Braun next week on SmackDown. I'm interested, interested to see how that one plays out. Uh, feels like they're trying to slowly rebuild. They're, they're, uh, it feels like they're trying to rebuild Otis into a powerhouse again. And he's growing the beard out. I like that. Um, but still, Braun is definitely getting the focus here. Um, trying to build him back into a beast. And I'm into it. Bailey versus Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, we got Damage Control cutting a brief promo beforehand as JoJo Siwa cheered on from the crowd. Uh, they talk about how they put Aaliyah on the shelf and that they'll soon have all the power in WWE. Uh, Bailey worked on Raquel's knee during the match, and eventually the numbers game got the best of Raquel Rodriguez, which allowed Bailey to win with the Rose Plant. After the match, the trio continued to put the boots to Raquel, and eventually Shotzi runs out to make the save. Yes, face turn for Shotzi. She's back being a babyface. I've seen rumors that she might be getting the tank back, and I'm hyped for that because I definitely want to see it. I think that with damage control, there's a heavy amount of heals right now, and they weren't all there uh, when Shotzi got turned heels. So I understand the decision to turn her face again, and anything to get us that tank back, I'm interested in. All right, quick commercial break, and then I'll be back with my final thoughts on the rest of the show. So after the break, there was a Ronda Rousey sit-down interview that got interrupted by Liv Morgan. Liv said she's never met someone who says more words that mean nothing than Ronda Rousey. Rousey said Liv doesn't deserve any respect, and Liv challenges her to an extreme rules match to prove why she should. Ronda laughed at Liv for this, says, laughed at her for wanting an extreme rules match, then said it's your funeral. She walked away. A short segment here, um, but I do think that this title run has helped elevate Liv Morgan, regardless of what you think about it. I think that Liv Morgan has exuded so much confidence. The title run wasn't as short as others expected it to be, and even if she were to lose to Ronda Rousey now at Extreme Rules, I don't think that she loses as much as she would have had it been done much sooner in their initial title match. I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be it's it's better for for Liv Morgan to have had this much time and i think that she did get a run that that will help elevate her in the long run so uh, hopefully she retains i mean i see the happiness that she brings a lot of people i do think that triple h in charge i very much see him booking ronda to win the title again but I, I do I do see how many people Liv Morgan makes happy. She has a hardcore, dedicated fan base. Um, she, my fiance was uh, overjoyed getting to meet her to meet and greet beforehand. Um, she does have a very dedicated fan base who appreciate what she does very much. And I think that this title reign has been enjoyable for her. Um, hopefully she keeps it. But like I said, seems tough. To, for her to beat Ronda another time at Extreme Rules. And this, at least, with the Extreme Rules match, does give her an out. You know, Ronda and Shayna can just go to work on her. And uh, and then she has an out of like, well, I didn't lose it just one-on-one -on -one in a straight-up match. After that, Drew McIntyre climbed onto the broadcast table and cut a promo on Cross. Uh, challenged Cross to be a man and face him, saying he's focused 
uh, saying Cross is so focused on time when the only time he needs to worry about is three, two, one, lights out. For those of you who are watching the show, this is probably where you may have seen me. Because <laughs> this was definitely the part that I got a, a lot of screen grabs of of people laughing at uh, my reaction to Drew McIntyre going up on the table because I I definitely got taken aback from it like whoa because I, I just he kind of came out of nowhere and it was like whoa there he is um, and then I realized I was like oh man this is my one opportunity to recreate that picture of me and and Drew McIntyre at the PWG show where I'm the only one holding my drink up. Uh, excited about Drew McIntyre being there. So I quickly popped up (laughs) to recreate it, and I'm so glad it made it on camera for a second. It's close. It's close. It almost didn't make it. I'm looking forward to to Drew McIntyre versus Cross, though. That's going to be a good match when when it happens. Solo Sokoa versus Madcap Moss for the NXT North American title. This was a surprisingly competitive match. I also like that the NXT North American title is being defended on SmackDown. I'm actually into the synergy between NXT and the main roster brand. That's how you position NXT as a third brand rather than developmental. We saw it. Uh, we saw the NXT title uh, recently, you know, uh, de- defended on Raw a while back with Ziggler, um, and this kind of reminded me of that, but in a different way because. We had someone kind of coming up and just defending against a main roster star and and, and winning. Um, I kind of like that. Kind of makes you want to go watch NXT and see what this guy's about, or what the deal is, or what he's going to do with the title, or or whatever. So I don't, I didn't hate it. Uh, Sokoa won with help from Sami Zayn, and you got to give props, dude. I know he's family, so it makes sense, but he really has um, assimilated into the group so well. He just fits the group so well as like an enforcer type role. You already have the Usos who are tag legends. You've got Roman who's, you know, the current GOAT. You got Sammy doing fun stuff with the group. And now you got Solo Sokoa who's like this quiet enforcer type. And I'm into it. I, I He really fits well. He's being positioned well so far. He's not being positioned uh, as, as uh, you know, some noob. He's positioned as a champion right now. He's positioned as someone who who Paul Heyman was even going to call to come handle business against Logan Paul. So I, I, I like what they've been doing with Solo Sokoa so far. Not just, uh, you know, faceless Uso number three. Instead, he's the enforcer of the group. I'm into it. Hit Row versus New Day versus the Brawlin' Brutes versus Imperium. Final match, main event of the night. Winners get to be the number one contenders to the tag team titles. Massive pop for the Brawlin' Brutes. I was shocked, man. That match seems to have turned them babyface. I think the mixture of like people liking Pete Dunne and seeing him kind of be more Pete Dunne-like. I think the match with Sheamus and, and Gunther at at, um, at at SummerSlam was, uh, excuse me, Clash of the Castle was uh, part of it as well. But the, but the group is getting a big pop now because they were heels before, I feel like. But now they're getting babyface pops. So worked in perfect favor for WWE because right as they're getting babyface pops, now we got Imperium back. And they are kind of they can kind of fill that void of the, 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 the heel trio. Now we've got a heel, another he, a babyface trio as well. So I, I, I kind of like what's going on there. Um, Imperium also 
that entrance looks so cool in person with the pillars. It looks so like intimidating when they're walking out. It looks very intimidating and very cool in person with the huge screens like that. Uh, it was also noted on commentary that Eric of the Viking Raiders suffered an injury and will be out of action indefinitely. Such a bummer because they had been getting a big push, and now that's going to halt big time. I uh, feel bad about that. Hopefully, Eric is able to recover as quickly as possible. I like the continued tease of Top Dollar doing a dive over the top rope. He, he did it again in this match where he made it seem like he was going to dive over, but then something stopped him. When he finally hits that, the place is going to go nuts. But I like that they're slowly building to it. He also did that awesome spot in the match where he carried Butch and Kofi on his shoulders, then picked up Woods in front of him and slammed all three down. I also liked that cool spot right after when Ridge Holland attempted a back body drop on top Dalla that he stuffed, but then Ridge lifted AJ up for an Alabama slam. Finish came when Imperium hit their finisher on Kofi, but Ridge got a blind tag while they were doing it and stole the pin. New number one contenders, the Brawling Brutes. All right. I was thinking about this last night. I know the match, I think it's only next week. And I know, okay, so we've got, okay, we've got Crown Jewel on November 5th. Then we've got Extreme Rules. Then we've got Survivor Series. Could this be a setup for Sheamus versus Roman in the near future? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking. These big baby face pops, him putting over someone else, that Clash of the Castle. I wonder if they were like, look it, you're not going to get the Grand Slam at Clash of the Castle, but you're going to get the title match that you haven't been in in a long time. I can see that. I can see that because Roman versus Sheamus would slap, dude. Like he said, banger after banger after banger. Sheamus is dropping bangers. Sheamus versus Roman for the title. Getting a few between the Brawling Brutes and the Bloodline. Kind of into that. Kind of into that. I would be stoked to watch that. I don't think Logan Paul versus Roman's going to go past Crown Jewel. So maybe this is the setup. Maybe this is the setup. Because I was surprised that it wasn't going to be the tag match at Extreme Rules. So I don't know. God, I'd love to see Sheamus versus Roman at some point in the near future, though. They're both killing it. And that match would be fantastic. All right, I'm done here. SmackDown Roundup is complete. I'm looking at my TV. Uh, Roman versus Logan is finalized at this point for Crown Jewel. So that's going to be interesting. Um, I'll be back here. Back here Monday for another raw roundup and wednesday out of character we'll be back again as well got mandy rose on the show this week mandy rose from nxt we talk all about her you know going to nxt uh, where her mind was at the time whether she wants to come back to the main roster and more so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed also also make sure that you are subscribed to the wwe on fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find clips from Raw and SmackDown throughout the week. Find Out of Character. The premiere is every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And also, you can find stuff in the community tab. You can find stuff um, in all sorts of places on the WWE on Fox 
YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed there. And also follow us on social media at WWE on Fox on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're all over. So make sure you follow us there. All right. That's it. I'm done. Officially tabbing out for now. Until next time. This is Ryan Satin, and this has been the SmackDown Roundup. 